As we begin, I want to start by talking to you about clicks. Not this type of click, like this, click with the Q, C-L-I-Q-U-E. Click the, the kind of group of people, the inner, the inner group within that larger group of people. Uh, and too often, it's a group that's based on not about some idea or focus that they're on about, but it's a group that's, that's really defined on excluding others. It's usually used in a negative way, isn't it, the term click. Groups of people, big groups of people, tend to just gravitate into clicks based on different interests that people might have. Like in this picture, school is the kind of prime example of where this happens. Different groups gather around different ideas, different genders, different grades at school. Uh, but too often, they put up the kind of the barrier. These are the people who are in, and those are the people who are out. And really focuses on, or emphasizes the fact that people are on the outside. And whoever you are, at some point or another in your life, I'm sure you have felt what it's like to be the one who's excluded, the one who's outside. Doesn't feel good, does it? Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, the great author, uh, famously wrote this in, in a, or said this in a speech that he gave. He said, I believe that in all men's lives at certain periods and in, all, in many men's lives at all periods between infancy and extreme old age, one of the most dominant elements is the desire to be inside the local ring and the terror of being left outside. Does that ring true for you? Can you recognise your desire to be in with the in crowd and the fear of being left out? Shapes people different ways, different times. And can it be a powerful it can be a powerful drive that leads us to do things we wouldn't ordinarily do. So we get the approval of those on the inside in the hope that they'll, they'll include us. They'll think that we're worthy. They'll treat us like we belong. Sometimes the cost, though, is compromising our own values about what's right and wrong. Anyway, I've experienced this in lots of different times uh, when I was at school, certainly in primary school, I often felt like I was the one on the outside and the other kids gravitated towards each other more naturally. I felt like they were deliberately leaving me out, laughing at me on the outside. I felt like it just kind of, not when there's an ongoing group, but just at different occasions in life when there's been a party that I haven't been invited to. I think, what does that say about me, that you don't want me there? Why don't you value me like you value those other people? Or sometimes it's as simple as something, there's news that gets shared between some people and I only hear about it third hand. I'm like, you didn't think sharing that with me. 
You're probably the same. You've experienced it in different ways. It's a function of sin, isn't it? Sin. It's a function of sin in that we exclude people, but it's a function of sin that we try and we tie up our, our worth with being approved by other people as well. Well, one of, the, one of the aspects of this that happens because we're so used to living with cliques, we're so used to thinking in this way, there's people who are in and people who are out, people who are approved and people who are not, is that we can start to think that God operates like we do. And certainly as we turn to Luke chapter 5 today, as we continue our series, Getting to Grips with Jesus, what we see is people making this mistake, assuming that Jesus is going to just fall into their system of living with cliques. But what we see is that very clearly Jesus doesn't do cliques. Jesus is open. He's come not to exclude, but to include people. Uh, let's turn to the Bible now and, uh, and read from verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors? Jesus answered them. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There it is. Short passage. But what we see is Jesus is open to people. Jesus doesn't do the exclusive click in the way people expect it. The first thing we notice is Jesus comes across this tax collector named Levi. Tax collectors were notoriously the scum of society. They were, in the Jewish world, they were traitors because they were there working for the Roman government, collecting money, representing the conquerors, the rulers, the external power that was forcing them to live in certain ways. And tax collectors were taking money for them. Not just that, they were usually skimming off some for themselves as well, cheating people, working for the enemy and cheating people. People didn't like tax collectors. And I'm sure if your tax got collected, not just kind of electronically, automatically through your uh, pay system, if it was collected by someone coming around to your door and making you pay... I think you wouldn't feel all that fondly towards them either, would you? Tax collectors, kind of rejected, treated as scum. But Jesus, what does he do when he sees this tax collector? He doesn't kind of, kind of look the other way, get on the opposite side of the road, walk, walk around him. No. He says to him, follow. 
He invites this tax collector, whom everyone else rejects and treats as a traitor, he invites him into his company. He invites him to come with Jesus, to learn from him, to be one of his disciples. Jesus isn't falling into the trap of excluding in the way that society normally did. Not only this, Levi is pretty pleased, and what does he do? He throws a party. He throws a banquet and he invites all his tax collector mates and he invites some other people there who we don't know exactly who they are, but the Pharisees, the religious snobs of the day, they just call them sinners because they fell into that category that they wanted to, where they wanted to draw the line, didn't they? The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they had this us and them mentality. There was we who were, we were the people who were right and there was them, they're sinners. And we associate with our crew, the people who are in, the people in our clique, and we don't give the time of day to those who are out. It seems we steer away from them. At Jesus, no, he's not like this. He's there drinking with them. And this is it's kind of just a something that's kind of in the background but here. Notice how important this is. Eating and drinking together with people. It's a powerful expression of sharing life, isn't it? Of relationship. When you eat and drink and you spend time over a meal together with people, you're opening your life to them. And they are opening your life to you. In a way that's, that goes beyond just kind of talking in the street. And this practice of hospitality, sharing food together, it really concretes relationships, cements them. And so the, the, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they complain about this. Notice they don't complain to Jesus, they complain to his disciples. Why, why is this going on? Why are you eating with these sinners? Isn't this like the, the leader, the, the great miracle worker? He's like, we're excited about him. He's doing some wonderful things, but, but he's mixed up. Who are the people to hang out with? He's got things around the wrong way. He should be coming to have a banquet with us, not with those dirty tax collectors and sinners. Jesus, no, isn't sucked into their biases. He's not sucked into their divisiveness, to their judgmentalism, to their practices of exclusion. No, Jesus is open. Now, maybe you're wondering, hang on, being a Jew meant practicing exclusion. If you read, go back and read perhaps like the book of Leviticus, it almost is like the handbook on how to operate a clique, isn't it? There's all these rules about how to, how to tell who's inside and outside, who's clean and who's unclean, who's holy and who's not. It's about all these practices and rituals that define in and out. Isn't being a good Jew necessarily about separation and exclusion? Well, I want to say yes, there is these practices there are these practices. But what is the point of them all? 
the point of them isn't to end up with this division of people and there's the good and the bad, the okay and the not. The point of all those practices of uncleanness, of unholiness, is to remind it that every person is separate, is outside from God. God in his holiness is inaccessible to sinful, unclean people. And all of the people are sinful and unclean. It's not like there's this, there's this line like the Pharisees think where there's this group of people who are right and all are sinners. And if they haven't understood that, if they haven't understood that they are sinners as well, if they're only classing the really bad things, it's only murderers and adulterers and tax collectors who are the real sinners. And they have misunderstood the whole, the whole trajectory of the law, of the system of cleanness, uncleanness. It was meant to remind them that no one can approach God without his gracious provision, without his patience, without him providing atonement to fix up that relationship, without him offering forgiveness, ultimately without him saving They need to have a bit of humility, don't they? They need to express their humility in repentance. That's what Jesus says, isn't it? As he's come back lying to them when they're saying, why are you hanging out with these sinners? With these sinners? These people you call sinners? They call sinners? What does he say? Well, he comes back kind of in, I think this is how we're supposed to read it. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. You might as well kind of... It's not the right who need, need to be saved, is it? But then he says this last bit, I've not come to call the righteous, the so-called righteous as you define them, but sinners. He's come to call sinners to repentance. He's come to call the people who recognise their need and who are humble enough to be open about it and to want to turn away from it. Will everyone receive? No. Only those who are willing. But his invitation, Jesus' invitation to sinners is open, isn't it? It's open to all who would hear. Every person on earth is a sinner that needs to receive, needs to hear the invitation and needs to respond to it, to repent and to believe the good news of Jesus. Jesus is open to sinners. There's no kind of dividing line that, well, if you've just done white lies and kind of evil thoughts, but you haven't kind of done physical murder, then, then you're okay, you're good enough, and Jesus will accept you? No. Whatever thoughts you have had, whatever words you have said, whatever sinful actions you have done, Jesus is open to receiving you, to welcoming you into his companionship, into his community. He's willing to abide with you. 
There's no room for anyone to say, oh, I'm too bad, I've done this and it's unforgivable. Jesus came to save sinners. He died to save sinners. Even to the worst, as the Apostle Paul calls himself. The worst of sinners. There's no grading in kind of the scale of in Jesus' eyes between sinful and righteous, between better and worse, between acceptable and unacceptable. There's not the seven deadly sins and all the rest. There's not this subjective rating, ranking of sins. But you know what? Too often, too often, this is the way the church acts, isn't it? Too often, this is the message that we've given to people, that we are kind of the place where we're doing the right thing, where this is the kind of the, this is the group of goody two-shoes. Rather than, this is the hospital for sick sinners who come to receive forgiveness and salvation from Jesus. The church, God's community, is a place that should be open to everyone. Everyone to come and hear and repent and receive salvation. Have you received that salvation? Have you understood Jesus and his openness towards you, whatever you have done? Have you recognised yourself as a sinner and been willing to repent? Maybe today's the day. Maybe today you want to accept. Of all the places, of all the groups of people on earth, the church should be the one place where anyone can walk through the doors and expect to receive the welcome like Jesus gives, shouldn't they? Whoever you are, whatever you have done, tax collector, sinner, Pharisee, whatever trap you've fallen into, you should be able to come through the doors and be welcoming. Welcome to repent and turn to Jesus, to be one of his people. Now, in, how are we going as that as a church? Well, I think we're doing okay as, as we talk about coming through the doors, as we think about welcoming people who come to here to this building. We generally are pretty warm towards newcomers. That's the feedback that I've got. Uh, as, we, as we chat with one another, I think people are warming up over morning tea and we have lunches and more time together. We're getting better at that. I think it's, we're going, we're getting, there's, there's room to grow, but I think we're doing okay. One of the traps we also need to watch out for is that it's not just kind of towards those who walk through the doors, but we want to be welcoming and open to each other as well and making sure that 
even within the community of church. We don't fall into the sub, subgroups of cliques that exclude one another. But wouldn't it be terrible if people came to church and felt like they were, they were here and welcome with Jesus but on the outside from other Christians? That they were welcomed into God's family and yet not welcomed by his brothers and sisters. Many experience that, church. I've been at churches different times where it's been a significant problem, where it's been less of a problem. But there's, there's always people who, who feel that hurt, who feel the confusion. Why is this so? They feel rejected and unworthy, feel like they don't belong. Maybe you have experienced this at different times in different churches. Let me say, this shouldn't be, should it? We need to guard against it. In the way we seek to build relationships with one another, we want to be actively doing that across the kind of normal barriers that society has, across the different age demographics, across the differences in our personalities, across the differences in background, life experience, across the differences kind of like what work we're involved in, what education we've done. How do we do that? How do we go about building these relationships with one another, welcoming, opening ourselves to each other? Well, we've got to spend time together, and let me follow the example of Jesus here. Eating together really helps. So I've got two real practical things I want you to think about today. Think how you're going about doing this. The first one is Bible study groups. Now, how, this is a bit counterintuitive, isn't it? Isn't working against kind of like subgroups the idea? Well, the way you do that is by building relationships with, with people. And you can't build a relationship with everyone at once, can you? You've got to start small. And you start with a few people, maybe like eight to ten people. It would be a great number to start with. And so I want to invite you, if you're not already part of one of our Bible study groups, to think about joining one. We have a whole list of them there. You won't remember all that. So they're also on the board at the back and on the table at the back. You can look and check out the details. We'd love you for you to be part of one of these groups, to spend time around God's Word connecting with other people in a more focused way. Really helpful for us. Really helpful for you. And if none of those times works, if none of those uh, opportunities lines up well, talk to me and we'll work out when we can start a new one to make it work. Um, you'll notice there, there is already one new group starting this year uh, that wasn't going last year. It's the one, the fourth one down uh, in the middle. Wednesday, 7.30 p.m., the mixed group, uh, run by Graham Olson. Uh, so just want to let you know there's a new group starting. If you want to be part of a very new group, uh, Graham and Alison are going to be hosting that and they're going to be kicking off with a, a study looking at some of the ways that Jesus has profoundly influenced life today, culture today, and the way that what he teaches in the Word has shaped some of the things we take for granted in everyday life. Uh, so you might want to talk to Graham or any one of the other uh, group leaders about being involved. Um, but please hear that, hear that recommendation. Be part of 
be part of the, a small group. Uh, the second way that I want to talk to you about how can we build our relationships and grow with one another more and more is something new for this year uh, that I've been brewing in, in my mind, thinking about what can we do as a change for this year. Something I'm pretty excited about. I've been talking with Kaz about the logistics. How can we make it work? How can we, as one gospel family, overflowing with joy in Jesus, how can we express this better as a group of people open to relationship with one another? Uh, I'm taking, taking the lead from uh, some families who have, even extended families, who have the regular family meal. What we're going to have is we're going to have Friday family dinner. St. Stephen's Friday family dinner as a way of building our relationships with one another. Do you see how it's going to work? It's going to be on every Friday, every week. Everyone is invited. It's an open invitation. Uh, we'll host it, numbers permitting, at our house. We're just going to keep it as simple as we can to make it work. We're going to cook a barbecue, BYO meat. We're going to eat together, share some time, food together, share a relationship with each other. We'll put a movie on for kids to watch afterwards so we can spend time together growing in relationship. Now, I don't expect everyone to come every week. That's just not how it's probably going to work for you in your life. But you might like to consider coming once a month or so, uh, just intentionally coming, or maybe it's just the random week when you're feeling kind of, oh, it's a quiet week, I'm not doing anything. That's family dinner. Let's go. Let's spend some time with other people from church. That'd be, that'd be wonderful. Uh, and so some weeks will be bigger and some weeks will be smaller, and that's fine. But what we want it to be is uh, ongoing, open invitation so that you always know it's there. And so that you can always know, oh, I want to be building, I want to be feeling lonely, I want to be committing, I want to be connecting, I want to be investing in other people from church. Friday family dinner. And the second way it can work is when you know, when you're used to the, the habit of it, there's always a dinner on Friday Friday evening that our church family is getting together with, is that I want it to be open not just to you, but to whoever else you want to invite to bring along, to join with us as St. Stephen's family. If you've got friends or family or colleagues or someone you've just run into at the shop that week, I want you to be able to go, oh, it'd be cool to catch up. Actually, do you want to come to a barbecue with me on Friday night? Because you already know it's going to be there. You're ready with the invitation, the next step to help them connect with us. It's not going to be like a talk and Bible study. We'll say grace. But apart from that, it'll just be us as Christians relating. Well, that's a wonderful step to help people connect with our Lord and Saviour is by connecting with us. And hopefully we'll be able to lead them to next steps from there. Um, but that's the big plan. There'll be more details to come uh, after holiday, after I get back from holidays and can, can uh, set you up with some things. But I want to get you thinking about it and excited about it. I'm excited about it. Uh, family dinner is coming soon. Because we want to be one gospel family overflowing with joy in Jesus that expresses his openness to people. That's not defined by the world's tendency to work in cliques and to exclude people. We want to be open, open to each other, relating to each other, and open to the world, just as Jesus is. And that's my prayer for us as a church. I'm going to pray that right now. Lord God, we thank you for Jesus' 
actions and his teaching here in Luke, it shows his openness towards people, no matter what sin they have done. Openness to accepting them and saving them. Lord God, please help us to understand this better and better, to appreciate his openness and to follow him in this matter. Please help us to be a church that is open like Jesus is open to all who would come and repent and receive the good news of salvation. And please help us to to grow in this together, build our relationships, strengthen us, that we might better be one gospel family who's overflowing with joy in this Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.